You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping the transition to battery-powered gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Driven Podcast. Well, over the last few weeks, we've brought you a bunch of different interviews from Tony Sieber, from Alan Sinkle to Simon Hackett, and um, also the guys at ABB. Today, we're doing something different, and it's going to be the first of a uh, regular get-together between me and Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics and a EV enthusiast, just, discuss- just discussing the the news and um, and the major developments of the last couple of weeks. Um, for those who know it, Nigel Morris joins me. Um, every fortnight on Solar Insiders, which is a podcast dedicating to solar news. Um, and we used to talk a little bit about EVs there, and we thought, no, let's put it all together. Let's do a separate podcast. So um, so here we go. Nigel, thanks for joining me on this um, on The Driven. Oh, you're welcome, mate. I've just been chomping at the bit for this. I'm so excited. There's so much, um, so much going on. And, and the, the cool thing is, actually, there's not a lot of reporting on what's happening um, in the Australian market and some of the you know, nitty gritty issues of being an EV owner um, and meeting uh, other uh, EV apart owners. From, apart from you, uh, apart from you hasten to add from the Driven website, which... Uh... Apart from that, apart from that, <laughs> it's about the only place you can find that kind of news, you're right. Well, you're we've only been going for about two months now, but um, in less than two months, but look, we're up to um, almost 200,000 page views and uh, oh, 60,000 visitors, so um, wow. it's starting to get a grip. And look, look, there's certainly excitement out there. You really do think that this thing's just about to pop. Mm. And I guess there was two things that needed to happen. One is the ability to actually buy a car. <laughs> and I think we'll talk later in this program about um, how close that might be. Um, an electric car we're talking about. And the second thing was just having a network of charging stations. And we're mm. just starting to see movement on government policy here. And we're starting to see movement on a fast charging network. And it's really interesting to see in this last week a... Um, a, a series of uh, $15 million being spent on a fast, a public fast charging network in Sid- Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, um, and also a separate one in Perth, mm-hmm. funded by the, um, the Auto Club, so NRMA and the RACV and all those sorts of um, people, mm-hmm. and also by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. Um, so mm-hmm. that's ARENA's first big move into EV space. And um, it sounds um, all pretty interesting. And look, it even got it even got a press release supporting it from the federal government. So that's got to be a good thing. It is, and and, and the Victorian announcement particularly was an exciting one because there was a lot of solar attached to those sites as well. Absolutely. Um, the, so you know, 100% renewable energy for those people with EVs who want to top up down there. So all of these things really, you know, it's amazing what a what a what a. Sm- what a seemingly small thing it is to have five or ten charge stations, new charge stations go out there. But psychologically, it's a, it's a really big thing. Um, uh, my family were on a family holiday and, and sending me photos from all sorts of places up on the north coast going, oh, Dad, we found a charge station. You'd be able to get a charge here. And those small things add up to instilling a feeling of confidence that if you are going to make that investment, that you're going to be able to top up. Um, so it's really, really important and great to see. And let's not forget that even though Australia's trailing the whole world in the uptake of EVs, we're actually kind of one of the leaders in as far as fast charging, um, fast charging station manufacturers are. We've got Tritium up in um, in Brisbane, and we've also mm-hmm. got ChargeFox 
Um, yep, doing some as, really as, entrepreneurial stuff with their rollout. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, they're 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 um, they're kind of um, you know, we've we've got two of the leading charging station business um, businesses in the world, and um, and um, that's fantastic. Mm, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, yes. look, just while we're just on the policy thing, the intervention, it was interesting, the ACT government, which has probably been the most supportive of um, electric vehicles recently, um, and it has got its own plans to, oh, what is it, um, to make all new purchases for its government fleet from 2021 onwards um, electric vehicles, and there's an interim step on the way. Mm. And it was talking this week about um, calling all councils to join a bulk buy scheme. Oh, fantastic. So, um, so, you know, and get a bike by, get them cheap. And, um, you know, I mean, councils, I think, got to lead the way. You know, they're, um, you know, get, get, get your um, parking ranges and other people running around in um, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect mm. application. Perfect mm-hmm. application. Yeah. Yep. So we're starting to get the network in, but we're also starting to see some of the models here. And um, before your breaking news, I just wanted to sort of recap where we're at to with that um mm. we're going to see probably at the end of next month i think we're going to see our hyundai with its mm-hmm. ionic range and um that's going to be pretty interesting because they're going to come out with a hybrid a plug-in hybrid and a full electric and mm-hmm. uh, we wrote in the driven a couple of weeks ago about the proposed pricing points of that which is pretty interesting and i think the uh, the big thing there is that the full electric ionic hyundai which is like you know your classic sort of four-door sedan will come in at around forty-five thousand dollars before on-road costs so all in should be less than fifty thousand and that's actually a major breakthrough it doesn't quite make it a mass market car but it just means you know it's um it's certainly a long way down from the one hundred thousand dollar plus vehicles which have been pretty much all that's been available up till up till now over the last couple of years so um it is and that's changed the conversation too i'm hearing more and more people now under 50 grand new mm. um and and that, that's totally reframing people's opinions about it oh absolutely absolutely look i mean look i reckon if cars were available now then everyone would be out buying them because i just don't think anyone now then everyone would be out buying them because i just don't think anyone's really interested or there's a lot of people electric vehicle and um, i went to a bit of a function at the macadamia castle which is just down the road from where we are it's got six tesla uh, fast charging stations out there mm-hmm. under a um a solar carport um they've got about 40 50 kilowatts there and there's a bit of an expo on it was tipping down rain but there was all sorts of different electric vehicles there and electric bikes and um 100, 150 people came along to a talk I gave, um, and there's a couple of hundred people all there just having test rides in these EVs and uh, having a go on these electric bikes, and, and they all just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, interestingly, um, just while we're on the topic of Hyundai, um, they're playing a bit of fun and games on social media, actually, with their Kona, which is the other model that can bring in soon. It's an SUV. They're actually tweeting a couple of times in response to readers questions or just, you know, customer questions out there saying when's the Kona coming yeah. um, and um, both times they've just sort of said oh by the end of the year by the end of the year and when we've sought to clarify that we've gone oh no 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 but then it appeared again so look I'm not too sure what's happening there I don't know whether they're sort of playing ducks and drakes or whatever but um, look it can't be that far away and um, and that's going to be followed by a bunch of other vehicles as well um the nissan leaf um sometime in the middle of next year the model 3 the tesla will be coming well probably won't be here much before july if at all um Mm. or if before then at all um but um but some other models coming yeah um it's going to be it's uh, it's there's there's a bit of gamesmanship going on i sense now between all these different brands right because everyone's getting ready to launch either next year or the year after um you know you've got vw audi porsche mercedes-benz 
Uh, you got the, well, the, uh, the Hyundai's and the Kia's and all those kinds of guys. You got Jaguar already out there with some cars. They've limited their production though, so there's not a huge run of them, which is an interesting, interesting strategy. Um, hmm. So everyone's kind of trying to trying to you know just shape up and work out when strategically to launch and which markets to launch in, and and of course behind all of this is the supply and demand issue, um, which is which is already starting to bite in some parts of the world. Hmm. What's happening? Well, interesting, uh, funny you should ask, but the uh, the Audi e-tron um, apparently has landed almost 10,000 pre-orders, which is pretty impressive given that, you know, pre-orders wasn't really a space that conventional car manufacturers played in. It was Tesla's territory. It's a, whole, it's a whole new thing, isn't it? It's a whole new thing. 10,000 pre-orders. Fantastic. That's got to be right? global, though. That's not Australia, is it? That's global. Yep. That's global. Um, and, and undoubtedly, some of them are, por- are Porsche uh, as well, not just... Oh, well, no, that is just the Audi numbers from the article that I was reading. So Porsche, I know, have also taken some pre-orders. And I was talking to a Tesla owner the other day um, who took me for a, a test ride and said, oh, you know, are you, are you thinking about a Porsche? You're a performance car person. He said, yeah, I am. So, you know, the interest is definitely there. However, two two things have happened. Um, deliveries have been delayed on the Audi e-tron, which is their kind of product, virtually production-ready uh, car. Um, uh, they had a software bug uh, that, that has appeared in their software platform, which is obviously driving the car. And, of course, remember that VW Group's strategy, VW Group includes Audi, Porsche, and Mercedes-Benz, as well as Volkswagen, um, so they've they've designed a common kind of platform that's gonna they're gonna try and use across as many different uh, production cars as they possibly can. So they've obviously got a fairly complex operating system, much like all EVs do, and they've hit a bug somewhere in there, and uh, and that's cost them four weeks apparently. But even more importantly, um, apparently, uh, according to a German newspaper called Bild am Sonntag. I'm not too uh, sure if I've got L- pronunciation correct there, Nigel. <laughs> Me either. Uh, but apparently um, they've been hit with a 10% price rise on batteries. Um, the VW Group has a deal allegedly with LG Chem. Um, and um, they've been told due to supply and demand, prices for batteries are going up by 10%. Uh, now, Audi and LG haven't made a, a formal comment about this um, but what Audi have said in the press is Audi's prepared to produce far more of these vehicles than people have been presuming and reporting. So that's pretty compelling, really, mm. because what that tells you is they got something more in store for us than we even are imagining. And also that the supply and demand crunch is starting to hit now um, with at least one of the majors, which is LG Chem. That's interesting. Yes, there's a supply crunch in the way. So tell me about the Audi e-tron. What sort of price are we looking for that? That's got to be $100,000 plus, isn't it? I think it is aimed at the premium end of the market. Um, Joel's, I don't have a price off the top of my head, but yeah, it's uh, a, a, it's kind of aimed more at the, um, like the Model X, fairly large uh, SUV style car. So it's interesting. We're just seeing this range of models coming onto the market now. So half of them sort of at that sort of Tesla Model S, sort of Audi, uh, Jaguar I-Pace range and um, a bunch of, you know, the Porsches and um, and what have you. And then the yep. other half are just sort of trying to get into towards that mass market range, sort of pitching it around about $50,000. Like, you know, you've got the Nissan Leaf, the second generation ones, the Hyundai's and the Kia's and, um, and what have you. Mm-hmm. 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 But everyone's de- it, it, it's clear. It's clear. Everyone's trying to get away from that nerdy car thing, right? They want to get into the, the, even the even the entry level models now are uh, are not nerdy looking cars. They're cool looking cars, right? 
Oh, they are, absolutely. Well, I, th- absolutely. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say that. <laughs> you would. And look, I'm just going to take thought... this opportunity to uh, thank our sponsor, which is Zero Mo. Um, look, int- really interesting. If you're actually interested in electric vehicles, but you also want to think about tractors and lawnmowers and um, an awful lot of trade equipment that um, you might use and probably powered by two-stroke or four-stroke motors, um, have a check out of these products there and um, and, and see. Just um, I've actually got a couple of um, electric um, appliances um, pretty interesting stuff. I don't mind using them. They're certainly a lot less noisy than the other ones. Um, and um, look, talking about noise, Nigel, um, <laughs> you wrote a really nice piece for us the other night, the other day. Sorry, um, just about because um, um, you're a bit of a rev head from way back, um, a, a motorbike rider. But you've been on a zero for the last couple of years, which is quite silent. But um, five years, five years, five years now, five years. Five years. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. It was interesting because you wrote a really interesting piece, which was sort of, um, which was uh, um, sort of provoked by this uh, survey by Vision Australia. Vision Australia. Vision yep. Australia and the people from Monash University. And it caused mm. a bit of controversy this um, this one because it talked it about did. one third mm. of visually impaired people claimed to have had a run in or a near miss or even been hit by an electric vehicle because they couldn't hear it. Now. Yep. We think that that survey might have been self-selective because only the certain people would have bothered answering and um, and probably those that thought they'd had a, a, um, a, a near miss or maybe did have a near miss. But um, it does actually mm. raise some interesting um, talking points. It, it raises a lot of interesting um, talking points, actually. And, and it was divisive in our industry. Uh, well, sorry, in our industry, in our um club in our gang of of ev motorbike nerds there is a um, gang of ev motorbike nerds oh, what, what, yeah, yeah. Do, do you call yourself something else or Six um... of us, i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we haven't we haven't settled on a name we don't want to be too controversial um but no 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 um it it did um it did raise a lot of debate about you know who's responsible hang on i've got a quiet vehicle does that mean that i'm responsible if someone doesn't adjust their expectations that vehicles may now be quiet um, and I run over them? Is that now my fault because I've chosen to, you know, do something for the environment and own an electric vehicle and avoid creating urban noise? Should I be held accountable for that, responsible for that? So it evokes all these kinds of interesting um, um, attitudes and opinions and everything else. I won't go into the study too much except to say that the way they pitched the result was really you know, the headline was a bit alarmist. And when you really dig into the report, and I I commend the guys who did the study because the study was done very, very well. But at the end of the day, um, ultimately, when you look at the numbers, it was 20 people who had actually experienced a collision of some sort with an electric or a hybrid vehicle in Australia. Okay, 20 people. It's not a huge amount. It's not a huge amount. And to say that 35% of all vision impaired Australians were were potentially being run over by electric vehicles. Well, thirty five percent of all vision impaired Australians is one hundred and thirty three thousand people. Right, it's very different to a survey sample that ultimately resulted in twenty. So that was kind of the main point that people had issues with. Mm. Um, but it it it. it it did do a couple of really interesting things. So it got the debate going. And so we had a really good debate amongst ourselves about you know, what our role was and what could be done and what needed to be done. It, um, it, uh, it, and, and as I said to the guys at Vision Australia in an email conversation, you know, if you wanted to stimulate debate and get us thinking about these changed risks, you've already succeeded. 
you've already done something there. So that was good. Yeah. Look, I mean, you've got to, you've got to wonder too. If you actually think about pedestrians now and their iPhones and their um, and their earbuds, I mean, most of them have made themselves deaf deaf to um, vehicles anyway. You're exactly right. And and in fact, that's why I titled my article, Loud Pipes Save Lives, because as a motorcyclist, you know, we've used that excuse um, to have, you know, high performance exhaust systems that are a lot louder than they necessarily should be on our bikes for decades. Uh, and, and part of the reasoning was that cars would hear you coming. But over the last 10 or 20 years, of course, cars have become better insulated, the stereo's on, the air conditioning's on, the windows are up. And in a, a large number, an increasing number of circumstances, cars don't hear you coming in anyway uh, so you know as a rider we've all had to adjust to that and you either make your exhaust system you know so loud that you know they either make your exhaust system you know, like so that. loud that you know they're going to hear you from another or you actually adjust your riding and that's kind of the argument that I put um, what was also interesting was that in this study they not only looked at EVs and uh, and hybrid vehicles but they also looked at bicycles um, and and a significantly higher number of vision impaired people are hit by bicycles every year than they are from EVs which is kind of logical because there's millions of bicycles out there and there's only about 6,000 EVs out there but it highlights that there are risks all over the place. We need to have conversations about these risks. We need to consider those people uh, out there who are vision impaired, and we need to think about how we're operating vehicles in this new environment. We need to understand that, uh, yeah, as you say, people have, are less connected to the outside world. So, yeah, um, have a read if you're interested of the uh, of the story I wrote. But it is a really, really interesting um, issue that we do have to get our heads around. Um, the Vision, the Vision Australia guys talked a lot about wanting to put noise generators on yeah, EVs. Yeah, that was going to be my next question because Jake was talking about putting a noise, um, a, a noise component when I think it's mm. running under twenty kilometres an hour or something. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and that's that's a standard that's being adopted in um, several countries already. Again, around this issue of pedestrians, and making sure that you know when the road noise is really really low on an EV and you're crawling along at five or ten k's an hour in a heavily um, pedest a heavy pedestrian area, that that's when you might want some type of audible alert system. And indeed, the study also talked about um, uh, um, alert systems that um, uh, users can have on their phones, uh, particularly the vision impaired, so that they can be warned or alerted if a vehicle is approaching. So there are some te good technological solutions out there. I don't know whether creating a whole lot more noise on a vehicle is actually going to help in the majority cases, even, even in that sub-20. I think it's a lot of it is down to drivers, actually. But um, anyway, mm. um, I, I think the study is a great starting point and that there's a lot more study to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm. Tell, mm. tell me about the EV, sorry, the, 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 motor, the motorcycle, the electric motorcycle market in, in Australia and around the world. Um, how, many, how many electric motorcycles have been sold in Australia? Well, in Australia, the total fleet of motorcycles is in the order of about, or oh, sorry, motorcycles and scooters. Motorcycles, there's about 150. Scooters, there's maybe about 600. Okay, mm -hmm. um, um, and that's altogether cumulative over time. Um, but what I did was recently looked at some stats around this and um, and actually um, visited a, a, a local builder of electric scooters, who I'll talk about in a minute. But what what became clear to me was when I crunched the numbers, I went, "Good lord, it's no wonder it's tough being an electric motorcycle manufacturer because only I reckon." Um, the major brands are pretty easy to spot uh, and there are numbers out there that we can see. And I reckon the total market for electric motorcycles, Giles, is only about 5,000 bikes a year. 
and that's across six brands, and we lost two of them last year. Um, Alta Motorcycles just went bust, as I think I mentioned, um, or looks like they're going to go under, as I mentioned uh, last week in Solar Insiders. So there's only about 5,000 bikes a year, and, and Zero um, did about 3,000 of them, so the rest are all really niche. So it is a real niche business building electric motorcycles yet, and it's no wonder all these guys are, are, are struggling. Mm. For context, electric scooters, however, and this again, these are global numbers, about 150,000 electric scooters were sold in the same year. Um, too many brands to count. 90% of them are, are in China, but they're rapidly pushing out into other countries. There's never a day goes by that you don't see another Indiegogo, Indiegogo or, or a, um, a Kickstarter campaign to bring another scooter onto the market. Um, and, and this is a really interesting one because I was lucky enough to visit Australia's most successful, get this, Australia's most successful electric two-wheel sales business ever. Sold more electric two-wheelers. And it's a little scooter company run by a really, really interesting lady called Michelle um, that happens to be just down the road. They're called Fonzarelli, and they build a little electric scooter. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So they bring in the components from China. They've done a lot of R&D. They've tweaked it and tuned it and upgraded it to suit the Australian market and Australian buyers. So it's not your classic you know, um, $1,000 Chinese lead-acid battery scooter. It's, it's a lot better than that. Um, but it's obviously designed for the entry level. And um, I was lucky enough, uh, the Australian EV Association organised a little meet-up there uh, a week or so ago. I was lucky enough to get along and, and hear a bit of Michelle's talk about the evolution of this business. And she's been in business for, for about six or eight years, if I recall correctly. Her dad, her, her dad built buses. So she grew up in workshops and um, some years ago, her dad started talking about building a hybrid bus. They built a prototype, then they built an electric bus. And, and that's when she got interested in the manufacturing side of the business. And, um, you know, huge shout out to what she has achieved. Just, just to have built a business up like that and be selling electric scooters is something impressive. Um, uh, to, be, um, to have sold more electric two-wheelers into the Australian market than anyone else has ever done is an incredible achievement. Um, and, um, and so she's an inspiring, inspiring woman, um, works with some of the great people, some of her partners in the business. Really, really impressive. Really impressive. Well, I think we'll have to get her onto the podcast and, um, and, and have a chat about what she's done. And um, look, that's certainly what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months. There's a lot of really interesting Australian businesses out there looking at the um, electric vehicle market from one, from one aspect or another. And um, that's our attention is to sort of bring them on board and um, let them share their story. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Well, so, not, yep. You got anything else? Well, I was just going to say, just for, just for context, I'll just come back to these, just to wrap the stats up for us. So, about five. These, these are where I think we're at. In, in to give some good context, about five thousand electric motorcycles sold each year. About one hundred and fifty thousand electric scooters sold each year. About twenty million electric bicycles sold each year, and about two million electric cars sold each year. So, you know. There is a real market there for all of this technology and it's all crossing over and we're seeing benefits from, you know, the, the, the scale that we're seeing just in electric bicycles alone, right? That's flowing in to mm. other sectors in the market. So mm. um, I'll try and keep these stats updated as we see more. Good on you. Well, Nigel, thanks very much, mate. Um, it was a good first episode, and um, well, it wasn't our first episode; it was our first uh, our first chat. And uh, we'll try and do this every couple of weeks, and um, just sort of uh, keep uh, our listeners informed with some of the latest news and um, and views about what's going on. So, um, thanks for joining us. 
Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for garden maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero greenhouse gas emissions for your garden.